What's up, everybody? Welcome back. For anybody who's joining us anywhere uh, for the last 50 minutes, uh, we had we a were jibber jabbering on. And uh, yeah, and after like for seven a, minutes, the uh, a while there, yeah. Oh yeah, we had like and, a great conversation. You guys had to miss, but, but you guys only saw like ten minutes of it. For some reason, the stream just shut down. Yeah, so we decided instead of moving on to episode eleven, we really should do a recap. Discuss, yeah, a recap on one through ten, and we had talked about doing this yeah. between the two of us ourselves at some point. That it would be cool to do a recap every ten episodes. To help test our own understanding and make sure that we're keeping everything and to also help enable all of you a chance to be able to catch up with the show, with the series. And uh, yeah, because we're, we're sharing it for a reason. Yep. I find it pretty compelling. I find it really not just informative, but heartening to be able to get a grasp on why we are where we are at this point in history so um, yeah last episode was on consciousness and the next episode that we're going to be getting into i guess now next week because it does seem mm-hmm. that the universe is telling us just just do the recap yeah, do the recap so you know we're back now so we're going to have a discussion yeah. of, on what we've learned over the past 10 episodes and uh probably a little yeah. bit of like how we're applying the lessons to our own life at least i'm going to talk a little bit about that because i'm cool constantly like if it's good relevant information that's useful i'm applying it as mm-hmm. best as i can uh you know it's that compulsion to you know become more optimized and better and have a better understanding and be able to get a grasp mm-hmm. of things and you know there's no point in like learning things if you're not going to directly apply them yes um particularly things like this really Truly. Now learn your algebra and all that other stuff because eventually That's the great call. It, but and I yeah. mean, it's a call to the courageous. It's it's hard to face what's going on in the world today. It's hard to even get a sense of what one can do in times like these. Not just in a way that is helpful, but to feel at ease and comfort in this world. You know, how should we be planning our future? How should we be raising our children? in this condition where the world is at this ever accelerating rate of change and all of the prevailing institutions and belief systems, even religious and spiritual that we used to all trust in and carry on together have now been thrown in doubt because we've become ever more awakened as a species to how things operate materially. And we, cast our myths into a space of just pure superstition in our scientific framing and we become super rational or not even super rational we become anti-rational almost because we are Um, closing ourselves off to whole worlds of things such as higher states of consciousness yeah and why does the human being have these experiences well I, I guess like in the in a biological sense if we are just you know piloted vessels for dna it's because it's well it's beneficial for evolution and and the prolongment of life you know it's it's no coincidence that for a species we have become awaken the way we have you know isn't that the goal of life is to become the optimal organism it seems to be yeah it seems to 
that life orders itself into higher and higher states of symbiosis on great levels, vast levels, such as planetary and cosmic. And how or why it's doing that is something that we can wonder towards, but we can directly experience the very nature of existence itself prior to our interpretations of it prior to our thinking of it just the very actual sensory raw sensory input as it comes in mm-hmm. through the senses can be you can be with it and abide with it in such a way that this we call this meditation that you deepen your sense of presence of the present moment and you can be more present in all moments of life and this actually enables you to do better in this thing called the flow state when we're in this sense of at one mint, which you can also experience when your worship is turned outward to the wonder of this great world that we are actually all a part of. We are all constitute, constitute of the elements that make up the stars of this universe, mm-hmm. that make up the planets, that make up the beings that crawl atop them. So now we are these things, these earthlings, these yeah, extensions right. of earth and we are trying to figure out how to manage ourselves as we ha- are starting to disbelieve all of the old prevailing myths and fight o- fight over all of our ideological opinions and our ways of viewing the world fighting over which are right and and it almost it, it, it's a time where we should be hopefully learning to manage with one another in a, in a mode of conciliation. Okay, how can we best operate together to be the stewards that we have the potential to be? Yeah, and so when it comes to like myths, I think we're disregarding the lessons within the old myths and, and in some ways pervert, perverting them to make our own myths now to justify what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. opposed to using a myth to understand something that can't be directly talked about any other way. Now we're yeah. using myth, like these new myths that we're creating to justify why we're doing or why we are the way we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean like why the way we naturally are. I mean like the paths that we go down through like ideologies, like are you using your myths to learn or are you using your myths to empower your ideology? Mm. And I think we're using our myths to empower our ideology as opposed to gain understanding and wisdom. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the it's old okay to have ideas and well, sure. belief systems. Well, but when, you be- when we become so ideologically possessed by them yeah, do you, that we, we are not willing to look outside well, of our ideology to con- further continually inform our ideology, because that's what we yeah. should hopefully be doing if we want to well, be we, in. We all have ideologies. Reality is continually upgrading and reinforming it. Yeah, as we learn new things. But we all have ideologies. Yeah, yeah you, we are. Sure. Excuse me. Rather, we all possess ideologies, but we shouldn't be possessed, possessed by, by them. The, there you go. That's a good them. way to say that. Just like we all have perso- personalities. Yeah. But we shouldn't mistake our our true self for our ideas of ourselves, for the cast image, for the personage that we hold in our heads about ourselves that we get to act through mm-hmm. in this world. And much of it is is intrinsic to us when we're when we're born. Certain aspects of our dispositionality, but all even that 
can be overcome as the brain is so much more software. Our sense of consciousness is so much more a product of how we operate through our software than it is through the hardware now. Mm-hmm. It's so malleable in that way that it, that it processes. Well, and also, you know, any any software is, you know, in, in input and output. You know, you, you input information, and if it's good information, your output's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. Not, not to be all grumpy pants or nothing, but I think we're inputting a lot of really bad information, and we're having trouble parsing out what is parsing out the the bullshit. We are. And that's that's the crux of the awakening from the meaning crisis. And we know it's it's not good for us because whether we acknowledge it or not, because we can feel it. It's like something we're doing and something we're not doing is wrong. You know, this this collective anxiety and angst that we're feeling is trying to tell us something. That's the point of anxiety and in, in these emotions and sa- sensations. Like the point of pain is not to suck. The point of pain is to let you right. know there's something wrong. We're in a time of mass disagreements yeah. and conflict amongst the prevailing institutions, the governments, and the different yeah. other organizational powers. Well, and, and in order to parse out what is what is wrong, like what's wrong with the system, you know, the in, in the in the idea of everything as being the body and the body Mm -hmm. system in order to parse that out you have to gain wisdom and work through that so you can make wise choices yes because some of these old traditions are tried and true for a reason because they've been tried over a long period of time we found them to be reliable so you got to find out what's the pattern there why is this thing reliable yeah to us as a species because that's what myths are when we look mm-hmm. at what myths actually serve for humanity, why are all the human beings writing myths? Well, John Berbeke teaches and shows us that these myths contain perennial patterns. These are recurring mm-hmm. patterns that are timeless almost for us as and, a human and culture. Universal. And that help us manage between. our conflicts and our deep existential traumas and trials and tribulations that we face as living, self-reflective, self-aware organisms. How can we best actualize ourselves? to be in congruence with reality and one another. And and so this idea of awakening from the meaning crisis is the great work for us as humans in this time that at least become aware of it, one could say. Well, and perhaps this... And we have to help steer the ship away from the whirlpool and towards new horizons and perhaps this meaning crisis that we're attempting to awaken from is not necessarily just a new thing either because it seems like there's been this constant conversation throughout the ages from you know back you know back to the you know pre-pagan shaman earth worshiping all the way through druids into the axial revolutions of the east and the west Mm mm-hmm and it's this crisis of meaning like it, it's like it's like we've been going through it and going through it and now it's happening so fast it's like at this pinnacle peak and we're at this another interesting tipping point another axial revolution of our own mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, thousands of years removed from the last one but yes. still very but we're know, in such the midst of such a fundamental shift for our species that it is on par with something bronze age level mm-hmm. greater than the collapse of rome far greater yeah and you know it's interesting 
but we need a revolution. We need an actual revolution mm-hmm. so that we don't have a collapse of that yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting looking, you know, looking back at so like, it happened around the world. Yeah, it'd be concurrent. Sorry to cut you off. You're saying it's interesting now. Um, it's interesting that we can go back and we can read things from thousand, two thousand, three thousand years ago, and even though the small portions of it, you know, say like the the cultural um, precepts, I guess, like suppositions. Yeah, like within that period of time, maybe different mm-hmm. than ours now. Mm-hmm. Um, are different, we can still be a part of that conversation and still relate to it. You know, mm-hmm. you can relate to being somebody who left Plato's cave. Yes. Um, you can you can relate to, you know, watching, like in the case of, you know, um, you know Plato watching Aristotle. Where our genetics are tuned to, to that world, this new world yeah. where we have smartphones and smart devices and inter- but we're, st- we're still telling the same stories and having the same conversation, though. Like, even right. the technology may be different. It may be happening faster, but we're still telling the same stories, and we're still, like, developing our own heroes and our own, you know, like, for good or for bad, our own myths that are helping us, mm-hmm. you know, come to terms. Like I said this in episodes, in, in episode in the past, like, in the past, like, memes are, like, modern-day, like, little mini-myths. They're encoded information within like two pictures Mm -hmm. like two pictures and and very small wordage but you know what that meme means is because you have a cultural understanding of everything that led up to that (laughs) meme yeah yeah um this is the way poetry and stories have worked for ages so the the meme is a great storytelling device Mm -hmm. and you can say a lot in one frame with a few captions yeah and it's interesting that we're or at least you know I'm saying, but I think I, I think it's actually really a trend. Is there's this embracing of old, I won't say cultural identities, but cultural practices, whether it's in music or art or philosophy and other things, where people are going back, and it's very impactful for people. Like you know, like say like that band Highlung, they're they're resurrecting a dead language and they're mm-hmm. doing a shamanic ritual and breaking people through and i'm not of that time but when i listen to that stuff my mm-hmm. skin you know oh yeah, up yeah. and the hair stand up and it's yeah. like yeah yeah people, people are revisiting the 60s 70s and 80s but they're also going deep into ancient culture as well like highland and that's that's really fascinating yeah. to see well and even we're going you know like we're going back to un- understand what we're going through now we've had to go back all the way to you know the pre-pagan pagan up into the natural f- philosophers mm-hmm. and all that stuff and discuss all that stuff and so we're revisiting it again and it's you know the it's the i think Verveke said this in the first episode but the the future informing the past mm-hmm. and that's what we're constantly doing and it gives me hope to see that people are being very creative with this because we need it and it's not going to all come from one place. It's not going to be just this one thing. I think it's going to be all the traditions are going to start coming up. And then we're going to start sifting out what works and what doesn't on a massive level between all of them. Yeah, and we're going to see a great interweaving and vastly growing understanding of one another's different mythos, all the different cultural myths and how they actually can correlate and work well together where they complement one another and interweave and where they actually inform 
us in new ways, mm-hmm. each independently of one another. And, and, I, and you, you can see that. There's great wisdom in the mystical Christian to the mystical Judic, Judaist to the mystical Buddhist to on and on and on. Even, you know, the the, the earth-worshipping religions mm-hmm. you know, of, of all around the world have some extremely deep wisdom. Maybe it's not entirely all correct, but it's more correct as far as, like, giving you an understanding of the world and how to work within it how to work how to adapt to the Mm -hmm. environment it still works yeah even if it's not scientifically accurate as far as the beliefs of how things began or where they came from or this or that well that may be one thing that there's some deep truth in some of those things too yeah that we then end up reconfirming later on yeah it's it's like the truth of you know like say the the archetypical old man on the farm he's a simple man doesn't seem to be thinking about much but he's got a grasp and understanding of you know the world and how it is and is at ease with it and can say something so profound yet so simple mm-hmm. you know like like it is what it is yeah it is what it is <laughs> it is what it is 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 actually very zen yeah it is what it is or you can keep hollering about it till the cows come home but that ain't gonna change nothing there you go <laughs> another way of saying is what it is yeah and it's gonna be what it's gonna be but yeah it's the one one thing that really gives me hope is seeing you know people really actually striving to do this meaning making thing even if they're not state necessarily aware of you know what john bravakia and his um people are still trying to put positive energy out there yeah yeah they're creating art of all kinds new stories um, there, there's a lot of good work being done in, in film and media and in storytelling mm-hmm. right now. And there's three reactions to... As, I think that's the forefront of the real change. Yeah, and there's so there's three reactions to this anxiety and stress we could do. We can... The most optimistic one is make art and love and understanding. The next one is, well, just destroy it, burn it down so we can do something better. Get deeply entrenched, only believe that. Yeah. And And then the third way. Reconciliation and understanding. Because really, there's very many perspectives out there. And postmodernism shows us that. But post-postmodernism is getting us to, like metamodernism, is getting us to take everything into account that we figured out so far and say, okay, if there's a lot of different alter- alternating theories for th- for everything out there that are divergent, what are the ones that work best for us as a species together to be more symbiotic in a way that is not violently forcing people against their will to do things that are against what they believe? Or, you know, I mean, yeah. how, how do we find a way to interrelate? Well, on that's, a higher level that's than where we the have before first way. because now we have such technologies that we have this capacity to destroy ourselves and this planet along with us. Well, that's and where the first response is uh, that I mentioned was make art, spread love, be creative, yes, do those things. there's that. So that's the first way. The second way is to destroy, and the third is to freeze and do nothing. And well, that's, that's where the work really can be done they, is we're, with people that – are not the ones who want to burn the system down, even though those people like those people could really benefit from finding meaning. But it's it's harder to get through to that right now. What we can get through is to people who are just like, well, what's the point? You know, yeah. what's what, all of like, our old belief you know, systems are being called to question now. 
yeah so my my whole thing is is like the people who are making art and doing all that stuff is wonderful and we can use art and all this love to get to the people who are just you know like okay well why should i do this you know i'm just like you know they're deciding not to, to act or do anything and then once we get enough of the people who decide not to act to be acting and acting in love the people and the ideas of acting in destruction will some of them will convert over others will burn themselves out within their we ideals have to change and the prevailing mode of being yeah is what i hear you yeah, saying yeah and and, and I, I agree and, with and, this so much and figure yeah. out and figure out the the most efficient places to put your energy because we have to be more understanding yeah. we have to be willing to yeah. work with and figure this all of this out together that's the mode of being that i think we have to be in right now but we're getting very entrenched into mm. our different tribes sure yeah and are hiding behind our different i don't mean to say this in a mean way but hiding behind but i mean we're, we're very much becoming entrenched and walling ourselves off yeah in, in our belief systems and and whether it be republican versus democrat or christian versus being hindu versus being jewish versus being islamic versus being this versus being that everyone should have the freedom and to to be who they are as long as we're not committing violence against one another oh i guess the the, the only way to truly do that and because you can't make and we're trying to figure out the best systems of doing that. yeah because you can't make a law out of but it but we have distrust in all of the systems including the american system now yeah but what we can do is start to do and do people better. will see it works and people will go what are you doing that's working right ah well this what is, you know yeah what were the forefathers going for with the ideal of the american constitution what are people free loving people around the world going for when they develop democratic systems systems of delegation systems of co-governance basically well, it's the balancing of, say, it's the balancing of of self government. What we basically. what we need to have in order to survive as a healthy society and mm-hmm. grow, and then what we need to do to be, mm-hmm. because like, you know, me personally, but we I, don't know what we are and why we are and all of these things. We've lost all and, these and, stories and, now, and yeah. that's that's a, that makes things so much more uncertain than just figuring out how we work together best is. What are the new stories that we are going to be telling, and how and what and how yeah. do how do we resurface the old stories? Because yeah. there's ingenious myths that truly are perennial. They truly are wise and in t- timeless ways that we can revisit and build upon, and they can help us guide the, in our understanding of how to tell a good myth. What sticks around for a long time and can t- remains true thousands of years later. And we uh, we have great examples of this. Well, yeah, because there's people who did it. And then mm-hmm. we go, ooh, how did you do that? What is that you're doing? And instead of somebody just explaining it to you, it's like, well, let me teach you. So and this is a going-in process. We, uh, we were learning to take this on ourselves as individuals. Well, and, and yeah, so first, it ultimately, everything starts as individuals. And any any truly functioning governmental system should respect that the the decision making this the sovereignty of the decision maker first starts with the individual then the individual's family then a conglomeration of individual families in, in a mm-hmm. community and how well informed those individuals are is how yeah because like good I, the information is they have to act upon you want to be able to be wise you need good information yeah. 
Well, it almost seems like our, our systems, the way they're designed right now, or at least the powers that be want to push them towards, is they're trying to shift the idea of this the sovereign decision maker being the individual into the sovereign decision maker being into being the topmost, the experts, the science, the pe- you know the decision makers the betters the but government opposed the yeah and elites yeah and government would be down here in the middle whereas like in, in my opinion as an anarchist i could see a small functioning say federalized republic republic type government working if you just treated them like employees and not like rulers they're supposed to manage things yeah no you're your employee managers we pay your paycheck to enforce um, unless you know and listen to us and um so but you so you need a, a wise informed populace with responsible respected delegators a wise informed individual if you want to go representatives you can go there but a wise individual because but you, they you, have to be able to actually directly well, you're relate not, the intent of the people and the thing is is the that people they represent. the populace is not wise that's not how well, that's it works. The, problem. the individuals the are what democracy yeah. by itself. The individuals without, without are the balance can of be wise. From minorities yeah. that republicanism allows for. Yeah, and it like so you merge those two things together. We have this democratic republic. Yeah, and you know, like, and that's that's pretty good. That's the best we've done so far on this planet. And then other countries have replicated it. And in some ways, maybe you've done a little bit better with social services, but less populations and different demographics. And they're not the ones that are doing most of the innovation, spending most of the money on the innovation well, in medicine or anything else. Frankly, it's when when a... So there's there's a lot of different arguments out there. But that market system that we even developed, a free market system for people, um, is crazy. That we once incredibly tribal and warring hominids primates as we are have gotten this social in fact incredibly socially adept as to become good at making music and painting pictures and telling stories and making jokes to make each other laugh and smile and you know creating art to make each other feel good all the ways that we exist now is such a long far away from where we've come well, we've 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 always we've like, just we've always done that, myths. but now we can do it. We make people smile and we engage in that way, but we can do it cross culturally, cross country, cross like technology is help with that. With what is it that Christianity is trying to teach us? What is it that Buddhism was trying to teach us? What is it that all of these great wisdom schools of our past were trying to teach us? And we have to well, really take these these things on, I think, because. Well, it wasn't that... The, Having the, lost them, we find ourselves in disarray and imbalanced. Yeah, it wasn't the... Without aw- meaning. It wasn't the awakening masses that they were trying to teach. It was the awakening individual. And the problem we're in right now, too, is we've given up our authority to make decisions for ourselves to something that has gotten way too big for its britches. And everybody knows it's an oligarchy. Everybody knows well, that we're e- run by even, financial interests. Well, I tell you what, if taken over various if finally, financial interests want to take my money and they'll pave the roads and they'll keep the sewer systems running and they'll do all that, fine. I don't care if they're all doing back back dealings and whatnot. But if 
I only want them to do this, 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 and this, and this. But it seems like everything else is Well, you is can't being... discourage the back dealings with infinite laws. We've tried that. You really yeah. do need to invest in creating well, because back, it more becomes more op- ethical it, beans. And how do you have better the more individual, ethical beans without compelling stories yeah, what, to compel the individual? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Because like, I, like, I ultimately do want to help many people and help the people and everything but i i can't do that by screaming on a soapbox at people but what i can do is come to grasp with it as best as i can lead by yeah. example myself and hope that what i'm doing can change how at do least do one other how do we person. do this together yeah, yeah and, how do we do this? In and, concert? and we are we already have well, a concert is a way good way to do it. You know, right. concert yeah. seminars, well, we do, we come hang out. Yeah, we we already got the rituals for it, um, and we've got beautiful technology that allow us to share these rituals instead of just having to be there. Now you can watch it mm-hmm. from across the planet, and you can see what's going on and become a part of it and come to it individually yourself. Yeah, and it and and not in this way where it's like compelling everybody come here but it's just it is and everybody's coming not because they're they're being scooped up with a net it's because they're seeing ooh the shiny and they're walking into it on their own volition well if it's true and it's authentic and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. good creative energy of that sort being put into it then it's going to be attractive sure and that's that's what we want to do more of right now i think we need a creative explosion in fact a creative charge of all artists throughout the world, yeah, as much energy as we can put into it, and maybe into helping brighten and helping not awaken ourselves the world because we can only awaken ourselves, but encourage the arts of awakening and of mindfulness, and encourage the arts of conciliation and willingness to look from one another's points of view and to actually learn how to better inhabit a more truly unconditional unconditionally loving as christ expressed mode of being well i guess in this world like with our own inner practice and then learning to do that with one another and reform our sense and our ways of worship and recognizing these these are there are some vast vastly recognized deep truths that chime for every human being that when we act in accord with, we find ourselves in higher states of consciousness, higher higher modes of being and, and relation, and we feel more joyful and at peace, and we are acting in an optimized fashion as well, so that we are more effective in our interrelation with our environment and the world. So better for survival. So how, how, how do we make that wider species? How, how do we make this? marketable and i don't mean in the way of like monetary marketable but to create a market captivating place. enough for yeah to grab enough people so that's the to trick help shift humanity because yeah we're this lost trust well, and all of the prevailing institutions again when, when, when we say this it, it doesn't it's just glossing over something very deep that verbeke gets into in episode one and two of this series which we should start going through a little bit of the notes and and talking through and as we explore this um yeah, but yeah, I, I lost my tra- I, my train there because I looked down at the paper there. Um, but I want to I want to continue yeah, on so just r- real quick with the making it marketable. Okay, okay, because you saw I I there, yes. I have a really big gripe with what I'll refer to as, and I don't mean this is an insulting way, but high minded stuff. What I see, my biggest gripe 
is it doesn't get out there. And it doesn't get out there because it doesn't have that super salient kind of like bullshit, but without the bullshit. It's it it doesn't have that hey grasps you thing you know like it, but you know what does how to get ripped and jacked in just sixty days so how do we take this and make it as super salient as the how do you get jacked in sixty days but instead of being a bunch of bullshit it's actually instilling great amounts of wisdom huh. because we we have to turn our energy up and then we have to find a way to do that authentically because mm-hmm. I don't want to do it the way that it's being done well no and you don't you and, don't have to like in order you know, to make like you can make the print darker and that makes it more salient mm-hmm. that's one way of say getting print to be more readily absorbed and that's I, that's where I but think that, that is our job some of the best to work. figure out what are the most compelling ways. Well, that's and, and the, variant, that's the point and, of the artist because it doesn't they yeah. don't all have to be wide reaching. Some mm-hmm. of them can be super niche. Yeah, but that's going to inspire a yeah. certain kind of individual or, or a subset of individuals that are probably going to do amazing artistic work out there and turn into the next. Yeah, York you, you, or, you, hit, or, you hit the nail on the head. It's 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 the that's what the artist does. Yes, it makes these wisdom lessons and these things super salable yeah yeah two or super salient soluble super salient and soluble to vast amounts of people in a personal individual way mm-hmm. I'm trying. and one thing if you've noticed you know art and mainstream art mainstream movies mainstream things are kind of just bad so there, hey there's a market opening up for good music good film if it's good it's good it's amazing how universal it is. and if it has good wisdom in it people like it mm-hmm. Are, the, the walking dead yeah you good know, example. Hey, that's about zombies and stuff but actually it's more it about so zombies. popular it's i about... didn't watch it at first yeah it was so popular it's one of those things right <laughs> but then i watched it and i was like oh now i see why this is popular and it's really clever it's really wise what they're doing here yeah it's a, it's about I like how, how it's about how we are figuring out different yeah. people are interacting and how do they get along in this situation of crisis and social breakdown and we are seeing a time right now where we are in the midst of perhaps the danger of civilizational collapse we're certainly in a level of social strife that is new and the environment is so different than it's ever been for us as a species not only do we have all of this high def high speed technology and all of the worlds at our fingertips but we also have these compounding uh, myriad crises facing us as a species Uh, whether it be life dying off in the ocean massive dead zones whether it be the fact that we've polluted or destroyed most of the soil and the healthy earth from which to farm or you know reusing pesticides but we we don't know how to grow enough food without them we're extremely wasteful human we don't have very optimized systems or human depopulation in we can't agree on what's real anymore yeah which is going to be a big thing Mm -hmm. um you know like our belief in god is wavering but then we're also at the same time becoming increasingly interested in mindfulness and eastern mysticism and then we're reawakening to christianity and the old myths again so we're trying to reincorporate things and build something perhaps new or perhaps just a more integrated understanding of ourselves culture as as a planetary culture now that as we're starting to develop together on well, a planetary I, level i, I think the internet that's that's, re- what's that's really the biggest change is the fact that we are on a global scale 
that's what's happening interactiveness and it's not global scale where it takes months and months and months and months it's a now it's a truly global scale yeah um you know like like the example of like direct communication but also i can i can observe things now that would never be observable in human history prior to now and by that i mean something happening on the other side of the planet now mm-hmm. like now not oh sure not waiting didn't to... kill himself tags <laughs> yeah. spread across the world like that, that. oh yeah Dude, oh yeah everybody yeah. knew and everybody agreed at once mm-hmm. it was hilarious and then the memes probably hundreds of millions and, and of then people. the memes that are continuing you know like well you know i'm what do they call it meme magic not to you put too a, much on that a billion but... people saw that within 48 hours close to it hundreds of millions of and people. actually probably more because people showing it to their friends it. on yes. the phone you know, not just the, yeah. yeah within the week at least maybe mm-hmm. we reached a billion it's crazy <laughs> well and also we're at the point in time now too where individually we can put things out on the internet that will never be forgotten so every single bad take particularly with young folk at you know like Imagine being a teenager and everything you're doing is permanent because, you know, like teenagers now, they're where they hang out is on the computers mm-hmm. with each other instead of like, oh, well, only five of my friends saw me, you know, you know, like yeah. beef or eat it. But yeah, now, but now everybody's seen you beef and eat it and it's forever. Yeah, but now like psychologists are going on Lex Friedman and mm-hmm. Joe Rogan and all these popular podcasts and shows and people are learning about themselves psychologically john verbeke jordan petersons and all these sure. people. well yeah the ac- the access to high level um education is also more free now too like you know high level conversations complex subjects. a lot of professors are just putting their lectures out on the interwebs and mm-hmm. instead of going somewhere and auditing controversial the class, issues that people just, need to work out yeah, are being worked out yep and, and people that disagree but are willing to try and hash it out together mm-hmm. well and i think that's where the the pushback from the establishment as it is, whether it's in media, politics, or anything else, the established old way, the fi- the reason why they're fighting back is because this new way doesn't really have any room for the anointed ones on top with all the knowledge that you should look up to. The reason why we look up to people now is because we see them and we see the true character of them, not yep. because they're held up. demystified the authority. ultra-wealthy. Mm-hmm. We're only interested in the fact that the things that may maintain interest for us seem to be people that are successful for a reason and what is that reason that's the thing that's interesting to us mm-hmm. you know how how is elon musk capable of doing what mm-hmm. he does multiple companies to make him the richest billionaire on the planet mm-hmm. even after buying twitter he's still the number one somehow billionaire um but look at the work that he's done look at the companies that he's started up or that he's built up i have a, th- where they are I have now. a theory on his method and i think it actually could really apply to um reshaping your salience landscape and that what he does with his rockets is he prototypes and then he blows it up and he figures out what blew up and he fixes that mm-hmm. and then he blows it up again and he figures out, and he does this with companies too, like the boring company. First, it started out with just, oh, I'm just digging a hole. Right. And then I'm going to, you know, prototype and test all this stuff out that's not going to work. And then I'm going to do, you know, test out pressed bricks that aren't necessarily going to work, but he's learning from the failures. 
and then apply yeah. and then applying what so we're interested you know, in people that are good at optimizing and good at failing and learning even if from we don't it. like them yeah we're interested if they're good at optimizing yeah i'm, I'm not a, i'm not a because we're trying to learn how to optimize that, better in our environments as sure. well so yeah. that's why yeah. people that are good at achieving whether it's a basketball player mm-hmm. or it's a musician or sure yeah. that, that's doing something that has great virtuosity to it or they're achieving things of high-level skill or high-level accomplishment. That's what we're interested in. We're not interested in how much money you have or how big your muscles are. Well, we're interested yeah. in your willpower. We're yeah. interested in your will in the, in the first place. Yeah. Like, what, what inspires you? What are you driven by? What goodness are you trying to bring into the world? Is there some kind of heroic instinct in you? Because that automatically lights us up. Why does that light us up? Yeah. Well, how, how, do, how and why do we make meaning? is very much the the crux of this entire series that we've been going through sorry here together uh, awakening from the meaning crisis john verbeke like what is meaning why is there this hunger for wisdom what are the light and dark factors that give us meaning which is predictive of a well-being and an antidote to nihilism in our world because we have been losing faith in the prevailing institutions this is for, uh, episode one mm. of Awakening from the Meaning uh, Crisis. What, so what Verbeke starts to break down. What We're it, at, as see. far as like, what's the time on the clock? We're about 40 quick. minutes in here, so. I do I do have to piddle, so could we take a quick piddle and then go through the notes now that we've had? Yeah, let's do that. So we'll take a quick break here, Sorry, guys. And I've we'll finally rehydrated after like three days of being dehydrated, <laughs> and now my is body's like, all right. Piddle? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, like, I, I go through times Everybody, where go ahead and take yourself a break and get yourself a piddle. Maybe pop some corn. Uh, grab yourself a snack or a drink so that you are hydrated. And, yes, you are going to have to piddle again later on, but it's yeah. worthwhile because keeping your body hydrated. Because don't go dehydrated because then you get dehydrated. And then, and then when you rehydrate, your body's like, oh, I got all that crap I need to get out. So we're going to pee like crazy. And it's just like, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's also good for your body to be hydrated, yeah, humans. Yeah, yeah we're, mo- we're mostly water. We were, yeah, yeah, we were aquatic apes. As we I, bl- were talking I, I about believe that. I, there's, I believe previously that. to yeah. this, yeah, aqua- this recording, aquatic this live theory. Yeah. If you aquatic don't know it, look theory. it up. It's look very it up. compelling. There's a TED talk on it. Yeah, actually, and there's this this cute old woman that breaks down aquatic ape theory in the most compelling way. And actually. Find yourself a believer. And if you look into that, it actually gives a lot of meaning to why we're shaped the yeah, way the, we are. The Discovery are... or History Channel mermaid documentary that came mm. after, probably a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. But the aquatic ape lady on the TED Talk is legit. Yeah, like as in like we went from trees into swamps and then mm. crawled up out of swamps. Not like we were like we in the ocean. We have fat yeah. that is around our muscles instead yeah. of marbled through our muscles like only diving mammals have. Yeah. We can hold our breath underwater like only diving flipper, mammals. And we got flipper-like flipper feet. feet, unlike the gorillas and other apes. And the only time, you know, like... We have most of our fur gone. Yeah. yeah. Which fur is not useful in the water. No, It'd you be, don't need too much fur yeah. in the water. You know, um, way of keeping yourself warm still. So we do have it. Mm-hmm. wrapped a uh, fat wrapped around our muscle mm-hmm. and then we have a little bit left but and also the other thing is <laughs> we lost most of it with very little training you can teach a baby so babies know how to hold their breath if you submerge them but then with very little training you can teach them to wiggle themselves and flip themselves onto their back and they can float like otters oh there's a program really? they do to teach new Cute. parents how to teach their infants 
how to do that in case they like fall into the pool yeah or something oh, like that happens awesome. and they can orient themselves yeah. and then flip themselves upright yeah so, so you can teach them that aquatic ape theory there's something to it not the mermaids but like young yeah infants newborns oh and you know something we can do our nose goes down and we can cover it up with our top lip that's what i oh, do yeah, yeah keep water from going back down in it yeah, close yeah, here yeah. And here you got webs yeah yeah our fingers pucker when they get wet so we can uh not just have better grip but feel things better in the water yeah fun 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 the holding the breath is the biggest one yeah. though which gives which gave us the ability Only diving to and sing swimming animals and to talk. are able to do that yeah yeah and well like if you look so we were very aquatic for a time yeah hanging out in the swamp aquatic that makes sense that makes sense all right guys we're gonna be right back hang tight give us like five or ten minutes and uh yeah grab yourself something whatever you need and we will see you shortly what's up everybody we're back we're back we didn't hit the uh, red button no we, we almost hit the oh, magic man. red button there that has the stream rolling all right camera one so we're going to uh go through some notes that a wonderful individual made that are clear and concise and we're going to try to get through all 10 yeah. episodes yeah i have my notes here too um but we're just going to mostly try and use our memory as well as we can yeah. i'm gonna probably have to use my notes a lot but we're going to try and run through these episodes and spend like, you know, five to ten minutes per episode. We're not doing a total breakdown of every episode, but a cursory run through the, uh, to catch us, our, ourselves up to where we are now to help us orient and make sure that we're keeping track of all the terminology yeah. and everything that Verbeek is we're, presenting. We're doing the gestalt of it all. You know, the, Indeed. The structural Indeed. functional organization. Yes, and, uh, yes. So what's this guy's name? Who? Mark uh, Mulvey. Thank That's you, Mark. M A R K. Mulvey, M-U-L-V-E-Y. Check him out. He's got Check good him notes. Check him out his, on, uh, on his medium, markmulvey.medium.com. You can find his summaries and notes of the Awakening from Meaning Crisis lectures. And I was looking over them recently here, and they're great. He did a really good job of highlighting various quotes from Verbeke and summarizing everything quite coherently. So we're going to use that to help help a guide ourselves here i got my notes as well my scribbles too and we're gonna jog our old memory boxes and i've got my scribbles too but you can't see them they're just in here (laughs) we're gonna do our best we're already 50 minutes in here guys so thank you so much for whoever's tuning into this episode of actual eye it's a part one and a part two kind of thing on this episode where we gave you just a gestalt of where we're feeling, where we're at, and our response to this. And, you know, the meaning crisis as we see it. crisis as we see it, yeah. yeah. And now we're going to get into uh, a quick summary of each one of these episodes that we've covered thus far, and I guess our personal reactions to it, and the stories, and the things, the ways mm-hmm. that we're relating to it, and how it's enriching our own lives. And I see that DJ is yawning and tired over here oh uh, so you know I'm, I'm old you know once it gets to like nine ten o'clock i turn into a pumpkin but hey we're gonna have to get this guy exci- excited here oh i'm excited i could be excited and yawn at the same time come on now <laughs> i yawn on roller coasters <laughs> well we're gonna jog through this at a brisk pace guys yes. and we're gonna in that way hopefully find ourselves with a pretty coherent understanding of where we are so far in this series so beginning with part one, we encountered the very question proposed by Verveke, what is meaning? And here's a quote from Verveke that Mark shares with us. Many people are talking about the meaning crisis, but what I want to argue is 
that these problems are deeper than just social media problems, political problems, even econ economic problems. They're deeply historical, cultural, cognitive problems. And this is coming from a cognitive science professor who is also deeply versed and a longtime practitioner and teacher of Buddhism and Tai Chi and also runs courses on the psychology mm -hmm. of Buddhism and works in AI on the cutting edge of cognitive science and understanding of consciousness. So we start off with the question, why this hunger for wisdom? Uh, Verveki noticed that there's this growing confluence between interest in Buddhism and people who are interested in cognitive science and mindfulness in general. The mindfulness books in the stores yeah. and, and, and it's gone past and, like the self-help thing to actual like real substantial good stuff not just yeah the, the mindfulness section is growing and growing and yeah. growing and, and, and there yeah there's actually really good stuff to be found there now it's not just superficial the wishy-washy has been wished and washed out or is being wished and washed out you know the we're all craving more mm -hmm. we're know. creating what's yeah what's sticky what actually works mm -hmm. yeah so we're looking for meaning yeah. Meaning is predictive of well-being. It's an antidote to nihilism. So we have this growing interest in the topic of wisdom. Why this interest in wisdom? Verveki brings up how he bought his son a book called How to Be a Stoic. And that's Greek philosophy. You know, yeah. Why is his son interested in this right now? Why are, why are these things becoming very popular yeah. right now at the same time? And also, there's a growing interest, not just in wisdom, but in psychedelics and mystical experiences such as enlightenment and awakening, uh, self-realization, self-transcendence, mm -hmm. and happiness, meaning itself. And the argument here is that it's there's no coincidence that there's a growing interest in all of these things. There's also a growth on the other side of this, of nihilism and cynicism. And a lack of trust and participation in clubs and religions and et cetera and so forth. This is showing up in our entertainment. Why are superheroes so prevalent right now? Why are apocalypse stories and zombies so popular? And you start to see that there's the subcurrent of wisdom mm -hmm. that humanity is trying to tap back into. And it's trying to tell stories in ways that are going to be relevant to us now. Because we're yearning for meaning. We're trying to reform ourselves to our environment because we have destroyed all of the old, our beliefs and all of the old mm. prevailing ins institutions. Destroyed or neglected, but yeah. Or neglected yeah. or, yeah. Um, you see uh, what Nietzsche was so concerned about happening. Yeah, we killed that God we and that's not God a good thing. And you know? we'll never be done, finished cleaning up the blood, so to speak. Yeah, and, and like... The killing of the god isn't just like oh yeah, it's it's the the highest murder so it's bad no it's it's the destroying of a the highest standard the highest standard and a sense of transcendence yes something beyond us like yep. even if we are agnostic we can be aware of the fact that there's this limitlessness to the universe there's mm -hmm. this great mystery that and there's and it's awe-inspiring how beautiful and how vast it is. So that sense of transcendence is very important for us as humans to retain because it's our sense of it's it's our arena of possibility, yeah. our awareness of what possibilities lay before us, and the arenas that we are operating in according to how our consciousness works, as Verveki teaches us. All of this is very important to us as, 
as human beings. And when we lose a sense of the transcendence, we become imbalanced. We don't know how to orient. Mm -hmm. We need something greater to reach for. To, yeah. And to, to help guide our evolution in a way that is going to continue to be subservient to higher ideals such as symbiosis and love, you know, working together, working in conciliation, thriving together as best as we can. And we have a really deep, 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 deep drive to yes, do this too. That's, that's, this. that's yes. it's almost akin to the deep drive of, of like eating or procreation. It's that deep. And when we mm -hmm. can't do it, we get really stressed out. And yeah. here we are yeah. very stressed out from it. Yeah. Because we're not fulfilling something so deep to our being. Um, and, you know, we don't really have the sticky words for it. Or, well, when I say we, I mean, like, generally we mm -hmm. don't have the words for it. What we're doing here and what Vakey's been doing and what so many other people are doing is help helping get us back or yeah. get, get us back. Recollect ourselves. To, yeah, sense, yeah. Right? And remember, remembering remember and ourselves. A, a yeah belonging yeah a sense of belonging to this world yeah. again yeah. to remember is to become a member again as he's yeah. described to us when you look at the etymology of that word so wisdom is about realizing in both senses of the word becoming aware and making real the meaning of life and a prof and and it's becoming aware and making real the meaning of life in a profound way how do we cultivate this wisdom what does wisdom mean and there's and we now get into the subject or the idea that there's deep connections between meaning, wisdom, self transcendence, and altered states of consciousness. And yeah. that's actually what we're getting into now in the series. We're coming yes. into higher states yeah. of consciousness. Yeah. So this first episode and why it's so meaningful and yeah. helpful for the human species. Yeah. This first episode is like a statement of intent of mm -hmm. what we're going to be like well said yes is what we're going to be going into mm -hmm. as we progress through this series yes um be, yes because what i'm noticing is like you know going going back through this and, and and then watching back um on episode one it's not necessarily a teaching or explaining thing it's here's what i'm going to attempt mm-hmm to teach and to yes explain this and expand upon making, yes. this is like setting us up for this yes he actually even says like maybe we can propose by the end of this series a cognitive scientific account of what enlightenment is yes what is happening in the brain what are the neurological physical factors that are happening what are the psychological factors what is actually happening in the person's mind in the sense of the transcendence that they're experiencing how does this help them? How do they feel months and years later after these experiences? All of these different mm -hmm. accounts that we can grab to try and understand why this fascination with higher states yes. of consciousness that all of the ancient wisdom schools, all the ancient religions and spiritual traditions teach and try and guide us towards. And using the science. Whether by fasting, by praying, by worshipfulness, by mm -hmm. lovingness, by usage of various plant medicines and ritualistic fashions and so on and so forth and the attempt being done within a scientific method mm -hmm. way where it's replicatable where we, we can observe it and then do it again yes as a co cognitive scientist yeah. he's interested in being able to help bridge science and yeah. mysticism because si it's yeah, been broken yeah. since the time of plato and pythagoras mm -hmm. really 
So we actually went back with Verbeke through Socrates and Plato, and we'll get into that here shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the connection? Because there's deep and profound connections between this meaning-making that is so central and this endemic capacity for self-deception and self-destruction. So we got into the idea of ignorance and how we, when we lack the wisdom, the very same machinery that makes you adaptively intelligent is the same machinery that makes you susceptible to foolishness. Mm-hmm. So we learned about bullshit, and the technical meaning of bullshit. And when people use the word meaning, they're using the word as a metaphor, as i.e. I, there's something in their life that is analogous to how a sentence has meaning. Pieces fit together in some way that connect you to the world. Why are the most meaningful experiences people have the ones that are the most ineffable to them that they can't put into words? Mm-hmm. We need to understand all of this to understand why are we making meaning the way we make. This is what's going to help us write the new stories and the new reasons for being that we need to be able to go on together as a species. So this is a very exciting time. What 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 we're delving into here is historic, and it's hard to encapsulate the the depth of of that statement because it it just can't it's hard to put it in a way that allows us to really feel the sense of the times we're in one really has to be willing to take a step back and look at this world with an unbiased perspective and just kind of see okay this is where the species is at this is all that's happening you can see all these ideas are competing people are becoming increasingly uh, upset, depressed, discordant, and also cruel to one another. Their belief and all of their prevailing systems that guided them morally and helped them get along together, at least okay in some cases, are being dissipated and destroyed, forgotten, or neglected. And how do the, these people put this thing back together? If you look at this and then you zoom back in, okay, now we're in it. And we find these old stories that teach us how to be more loving and peaceable together. Very, very compelling again. And now we're having to stitch them back together. So that's very much what this series has given us the opportunity. It's inviting us into understanding how we can do that on a very deep cognitive science, psychological level, as well as just a life living level. He's going to help us understand why the practice of meditation is useful and how to utilize it, why the practice of contemplation is useful and how to utilize it, how we can enter deeper and deeper states of flow and how to utilize them to maximize our potential and actualize higher modes of being in this life for the benefit of one and all together so we can be the great servants that and stewards that we know that we have, we have, we have this great potential to be. So that's... That would be a good way to sum up episode one. Um, all of this, including how therapy alters, transforms your interpretation mm-hmm. of self and realness. Uh, the other upper paleolithic transition, human beings begin to undertake a variety of new activities, sculpting, painting, music, throwing. And this is how we begin to develop language over time. And with throwing, and it gives exact us... exact one part of the brain to be able to do another thing. Yeah, and with, like say, like throwing that... Uh, Learning that gives us a subject and object understanding. Like, so there's, you know, the... There you go. Yes. Yeah, there's... So the idea, like, 
I guess to sum it up easily is there's me and then there's you and mm-hmm. I can see from your point of view and then ex- expanding upon that now you're interacting with more people and we're starting to trade mm-hmm. we're no longer we're no longer hunter gatherers constantly moving around we're starting to plant ourselves and become settled and we're starting to trade mm-hmm. um and yes. is this in the first episode but i think we start developing rituals for strangers how do you do with strangers shaking of the I hand believe so we develop calendars yeah. tracking time yeah more sophisticated hunting techniques spear throwing um, we learned about projecting mm-hmm. what, what and what a project is to thro- to yeah. have an aim and to throw something towards yeah. it. An object is the thing you're throwing yeah. it against, and the subject is the thing that you're trying to understand that you're trying to throw it at. Yeah. And so we started to develop music, sculpture, paintings, and okay, I wanted to backtrack real fast on my notes because I noticed here how to cultivate mindfulness or how to cultivate wisdom, we developed mindfulness practices. This is a part of what we're getting into now in the series as we delved into mm-hmm. the East for a bit. Um, we've been going to West and East in our journey with Verveke. Why do humans and other animals seek to alter consciousness as part of what the series is going to help us answer and understand? Why? Because it facilitates transformative experiences that allow us to upgrade ourselves to meet our environments better. So why this interest in enlightenment that happens in the previous axial revolution and the mindfulness revolution that is occurring Mm -hmm. now. And that gets us to the understanding of, okay, we've covered foolishness in ignorance, our capacity to fool ourselves and BS ourselves. Our, our Our goals can be undermined by our capacity to bullshit ourselves. The sense of meaninglessness, um that we have now in the world and why it's happening is as we've discussed is because we've lost touch with all of these meaning making stories and myths and institutions because Mm -hmm. they've been degrading over time and now we have to rebuild something that can last for future generations this is the great task for us as humans alive today that's what is so exciting and compelling and so monumentous about this that this time that we're in and and what I'm so grateful for Verveke doing here because he's broken this down like in a way that I could have never even understood to wish for. Yeah. So this is about as comprehensive an understanding of why we've gotten where we are and how we can awaken from it that we can possibly get as human beings. And so yeah. thank you very much, John Verveke, for providing us this to help us orient ourselves in these crazy, freaking unstable times and so uncertain and so upsetting mm-hmm. as they can be. So, yeah, we got into calendars, the tracking of time, more sophisticated hunting techniques. We developed m- deeper ways of making meaning in art. And we developed trade networks. We increased resources. We started to think in terms of language and in terms of mathematics. Well, so because tr- of our trading. The, the trade networks, the, um, what that did is it expanded our, our, our cognitive network yes, from not. From not just an individual, but now we're sourcing multiple individuals. This is where we get distributive cognition from. Yeah, and and the the advent of language as far as written-wise expanded that even further. So now you can connect to the past. You connect your present brain to the past and the future and with other brains within the distributed cognitive network. Yes. 
There you go. Um, yeah, and how shocking it is that we hang with hang out with strangers and that we're able to actually yeah. put our heads together to be able to distribute our cognition in wider and wider networks to magnify our capacity to solve problems on greater and greater levels, like building spaceships, for instance. Yeah, and this is where we're introduced to the idea of a psychotechnology, like mm-hmm. psychotechnologies. Yeah. So, like rituals, like trading rituals, like the shaking of the hand yes. or cleansing yourself before you go yes. into the marketplace. Or that brings up mindsight, the shaking yeah. of the hand, picking up on each other, mm-hmm. and thus one's sense of self, and the yeah. trading rituals and the other rituals yeah. of cleaning and then, oneself. And then you trade. need the rituals of mm-hmm. proving yourself, like proving your Loyalty. loyalties as well, because yes. you're dealing with we're dealing now dealing with lots of strangers, so we we have rituals to build so uh, psychotechnologies in order to yeah. work with strangers, but now we need ones to. We need work new with our initiation rituals. Sure, yeah. We, we? Well, we got we got rid of a lot of them, um, yeah. you know, like because well, usually like so initiation rit- rituals um, are something that you're not the like say you're not the center of attention, but you the attention is centered upon you, mm-hmm. and they have a tendency at least back in this time, but usually throughout time to be um, like different sexes have different initiation rituals like you know the young men would have like the warrior ritual and then the young women would have their other rituals and so like and we've had those up to a point and now with the way we're playing with things it's almost undesirable to have this but it's like well you know men need the ritual of being like hey yeah you're part of the club let me punch you on the shoulder and i'm not saying all men need exactly that but like we like we still need that initiation into a brotherhood or into a sisterhood mm-hmm. and then you have that that comes together an initiation into the community that is a merger of these two things mm-hmm. and so how yeah. do we get that back but without you know it being misandrist or misogynist or mm-hmm. any of the ists no yeah, we're looking for a true egalitarian yeah. world now but we still want to maximize the gifts that masculinity and femininity mm-hmm. bring to yeah. the world that we fit together like puzzle pieces in this way because we're also sh- like with these we with, all have these aspects within us and with these rituals we're also showing our like say like between the sexes we're showing our loyalty to each other mm-hmm. you know whether it's like marriage rituals as or you know like bonding rituals mm-hmm. and things so these are psychotechnologies we use in order to help yeah psychological techniques Mix. of interrelating with the yes. world basically yeah and we have language we have these initiation mm-hmm. rituals and other life r- rituals that because these are developed. all these are all software upgrades mm-hmm. opposed to hardware upgrades because the brain hasn't changed in two hundred thousand years yes. or so we, but we've but developed we're these defi- incredible psychotechnologies yes. that help us mm-hmm. really and accelerates our our uh, adaptation mm-hmm. after yes. that yeah I think that might be delving a, a little into software. the second episode, but they yeah, kind of blur okay. together. Yeah, so and on to the second. <laughs> so the initiation, yeah, initiation rituals, mm-hmm. being vulnerable, the willingness to be vulnerable. One must improve their capacity for seeing and understanding from others' perspectives. Yeah, you find that to be very useful. Well, and that's that's what the initiation that, ritual does, and also the handshake ritual yes. too. Your vulnerability of people can throw out at the merit even during the wedding. Yeah, you know, and then yeah. you're not supposed to get married if somebody says no. Yeah, these two yeah, shouldn't yeah, get married yeah, for this yeah, reason. Yeah. yeah. So we got all kinds of cog- cognitive enhancements, enhancements to our thinking and co- and use of our consciousness. 
from the trading and the initiation rituals. And then we accepted our brain and accept acceptation is the brain's capacity for using a part of itself made for one thing to do something else. Yeah, and the example was like like the tongue. Yeah, you, the tongue and the used mouth to it, identify poison and move food around, but yes, we've but learned to use it to speak. Speak, yes. Yeah. And sometimes go <laughs> at people, yeah. <laughs> right? To mock, we can mock with the tongue too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you kiss with the tongue. Yeah. Well, only if you're doing it right. Indeed, as the French have taught us. Mm. <laughs> yeah, if it's all about French it. kissing, that's so funny. What yeah. a interesting see all all these cultural terms uh here i've got some uh just it's a funny little side note but um what do fries and and kissing have in common like if you're to like play a game of how 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 close things are to each other well french you just put french well there are french fries and there's french kissing there's a commonality that wouldn't necessarily come to mind but it's like now it's like oh yeah obviously but why but you know it's kind of how your brain works. It tries to figure out what are nice. the, you know, is, what are the connections. Trick. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's how my brain works. That's, that's where it goes. Well, remember when they were telling everybody that we should, because France didn't want to be involved in the Iraq uh, War. Oh, yeah, Freedom Fries. Freedom yeah, Fries and all God, of that. Yeah, all the right. media was behind it. And nobody, the media's it, always it, on the same page in times of war, left yeah, or right, right. doesn't matter. Well, you know. Freedom Fries. and Yeah, so... I remember friends of mine and I at a place that we were working were calling everything that we could find like freedom instead of French. So freedom's mustard and we were talking about sailing down the Freedom Riviera. Freedom bread. Freedom bread. It got stupid. Oh, par- it was par- a fun game. You say a bad word. Pardon my freedom pardon instead of my pardon my freedom. French. Nice. Oh, that's good. <laughs> hey. See? Uh, you would have been perfect for this. Yeah. But it's, yeah, so it's, we can't make fun of that one anymore because it's no longer culturally culturally relevant. It wouldn't be a good, be a good meme right now, but back then, if memes were a thing, I think maybe they're beginning to be. I a think thing. that was like the beginning of the meme age, but it wasn't really like memes as we yeah. know them. Well, memes have been around there was forever. Memes. memes have been you around know, since the yeah. beginning, as soon as the photographs could be made. Well, even before photographs, before photographs scratching stuff into the wall. Like well, gr- that, graffiti that, art. I mean, as far know. as that that kind of meme, uh, yeah, t- technologically, memes have been around for I guess twenty ish, yeah, fifteen twenty yeah. years. It's, I don't know how. When did we start having images on the internet? I can't remember, but it was in the nineties. Yeah. Well, actually, even I think the song "Yankee Doodle" is a meme. So it's all text, and then you could start to see actual y- pictures yeah. and articles, and yeah. But Not slowly, and then eventually video came along, but you'd have to wait a long time for it to buffer and load. Mm, yeah, for one image, and then it would just build it piece by yeah. piece by piece by piece by piece by piece. Okay, so let, let's jump back into it. So okay. we developed all these cognitive ad- enhancements as a species, and then we started to develop shamanic rituals. Mm. We cultivated practices for controlling our mental states and increasing the development of insight. And that's episode two, right? That's episode yes. one still, I, I believe. Uh, yeah, he's just giving he, us yeah, a quick just, synopsis yeah. of what he's going to go over. And so we're so, going to go over this more in more depth. But yeah, he, he gives us shaman, uh, shaman archetypes like Yoda and Gandalf, the mm-hmm. wise man. Everybody recognizes these every wizard. Cartoons. Every wizard you, you see is a shaman. Culture. Yeah. So these are good archetypes, symbols, and ways of being that humans can inhabit mm-hmm. that are recognizable. That yeah, we can learn from and really like 
I, I like the definition of shaman that isn't just the guy with the drugs, but like the shaman is the wise man, the one who has wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. opposed to like the modern conception of shaman. Oh, you, you know, drugs and all this stuff. It's like, well, the, the drugs are to help break your framing, so then you can, you know, see patterns that you may not have been able to see before. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, anything that breaks me- your framing yeah. and is helping you. Um, connect things in new ways is going to help you add more to your sailing overall salience mm-hmm. landscape if you use it wisely and so yeah we got we get into the idea of the mind in the cave mm-hmm. um we get into the idea of the software change that we've just been discussing mm-hmm. the psych development of psycho technologies and the beginning of us becoming cyborgs all the way all the way back then mm-hmm. in our early times as humans primordial history everything that is a tool becomes an extension of us. And then this way we are cybernetic beings. Mm-hmm. We're able to take things and make them part of us. Yeah. And we know how to conform and interact with all kinds of things as tools. Everything is a tool to the human being. So the ability to use a tool can be exacted and then we can do that cognitively with mental techniques to enhance our thinking, our consciousness even further with things such as literacy. So we developed the literacy as we, as we discussed. And then he talks about the placebo effect, um, a little bit. And I think that covers, yeah, that covers episode one. And so on the placebo effect, just real quick. So what I, what I gathered, what he's meaning by this is even though say, the shaman isn't actually becoming yes. the deer. It you helps still have that, and the, the way exper- that he's embodying it yeah. helps you understand how a deer moves yeah. and acts in different circumstances. Or like you know, like say like you know, heal like healers that like the healers that would like pretend to like pull things out of people, even though they're the, hiding the bugs in their hands, but they Somehow knew the placebo our body effect. Has the capacity to yeah. heal itself. So both healing and understanding can be. So yeah, but, most medicine is placebo effect. It's yes. like 40 to 50% yes. of the effects yes. of most medicines yep. are actually our own placebo effect. And that's effect how powerful our, our minds and our perceptions our are. Our mind is over our actual body, our, over mm-hmm. our biology. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we've used psychotechnologies to enhance our insight into other people and situations. And now we get into episode two. And what was episode two called? Let me get back to Mark Mulvey's here. Because we went, episode one was the introduction. Episode two was flow metaphor in the axial age or the axial mm-hmm. revolution. So we get into the idea of at-one-ment or deep attunement with one's environment, effortlessness, a sense of time, timelessness, the sense of self disappearing in these states, these deep states of higher consciousness that the human can experience. Metaphorical cognition is at the heart of both science and art. The very words that we use are metaphors. That's a quote from Verveke. Yeah. Everything that we do is a metaphor. Uh, uh, it's uh, amazing. Because you know, when I say apple, that's not an apple. It's a it's metaphor a for, for the apple. actual thing. Yeah. yeah. So we talk about the flow experience in this episode, which is like being in the zone. In, yeah. If you think, think about it in sports or in, even in jazz music or any other number of things that people can specialize the in. Zone you know, lots of of the zone of optimal cognition. zone is a, one of the terms that we use for this experience that humans can have. 
that come about when the situation is just slightly beyond your skill level. But it's, not so it, much so that you become so anxious. That you're yeah. that you're anxious, but it's enough to challenge you. So, so you have to get, yeah. get so you have to like turn on all your cognition and physiology at once in this really high state of attunement. And this sense of timelessness overcomes you and you can just it's almost it's, like washing yourself. And it almost seems to flow out of you. It just seems to flow and just happen naturally. Yeah. And so this Hence is when flow. your training meets the moment in a state of selflessness almost mm-hmm. and you just perfectly attune with accord with and dance with the moment if skills exceed the demands you can fall into boredom so if you're really skilled but the demands are not too hard it's going to get boring but if your demands exceed the skills too greatly you can fall into anxiety. I am not ready for this. Yeah. Well, it's like playing. So, so this is how to get yourself into the state of flow is to find something that's just at the edge of your comfort mm-hmm. zone. That's just going to be a little bit of a challenge. That's going to push you to go, kind of try and reach beyond, you know, and, and use every bit of everything that you've gained thus far and give you a good new challenge. That's how you induce the flow state. Mm-hmm. And it's important to go to have the flow state because without a doubt people who have experienced the flow state really find it to be truly meaningful or yes. helps their lives have meaning and and find meaning Deeply within meaningful. It, you know and it's universal uh culturally uh, socioeconomically uh by gender language environments whatever um everyone describes the flow state the same way when you're in a flow state you feel like you're in a deep state of at one you feel deeply at one with everything around you. And with this comes also a natural spontaneity. It just happens. You just shot that crumpled up piece of paper at the basket, didn't even think about it, but you were at least had done that enough times to develop the skill of knowing how the physics of your arm work with the spatial environment. Mm-hmm. And that time it went in no look into the basket. And that was a flow state. That was actually at the edge of your ability and you did it without thinking and so that freed up the brain to have the most processing power available to be able to just do the thing this is Mm -hmm. how the human being is tuned to be able to act Mm -hmm. naturally and this is something that we don't practice and cultivate as much as we used to i wonder have to because we had to survive i wonder as comfortable as we are now i wonder if in like extreme circumstances like you know like something terrible is happening or like you know i don't know Something big is falling at you, and in this split moment, split second, I wonder if that's an indu- an immediate induction of flow state, like how somehow you can just jump out of yeah. the way and be fine, it or is, like you fall off something like and you land on your yeah. feet perfectly and you're fine. Yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense. You know, and so the body knows how to turn it on and off at at, ne- at will. Yeah, it's like the brain kind of does. To need. Like, yeah, when it's like, oh no, this is going to be bad flow state immediately either that or there's nothing we can do and it blacks you out mm-hmm. um that's that's the other end of it when something really bad oh, happens your brain sometimes yeah. shuts you oh, off and it's like nope <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so we learned uh like the shaman you know oh this he's describing the shaman there's all this metabolic energy being used yet it feels effortless mm-hmm. so the basketball player doing mm-hmm. the complicated uh, maneuver to be able to perform the task at the before the buzzer goes off for instance got to shoot a three-pointer and it's 
going to be a complex series of movements. He could think about every little thing he's got to do and what would happen if he doesn't succeed and all the pressure and everything and have his brain just all this processing being used up. Where he can free up all that processing, just utilize the skills that he has and naturally let the thing happen come what may. And since it's a high level of challenge, it's a championship game, for instance, his body just jumps into the task at hand and he does it. He sinks the shot, swoosh. That's flow state. The effortlessness comes about uh, when people are training to such a degree that they have the mindfulness to be able to pull off something like that in, in that environment, in that circumstance. So the flow states, uh, repeated improvisation is a really good way of staying in it. So rock climbing, jazz, music, things like that help you learn how to move effortlessly from one pattern to the next. And the experience of flow itself, when people have it, it's like a cascade of insights. Well, this is a state of being as well, as we learn later in the series, mm -hmm. that like Buddha, the awakened one, not only did he feel a deep sense of awareness of all of of everything that was happening in his consciousness around him and of understanding immediate understanding and access to other people and deep complex problems he always had a wise answer to help you get to the kernel of it he also had a deep sense of that one mint and natural flow with reality and yeah and in that sense it's uh i guess the pinnacle point is called the super flow state mm -hmm. where you do have the you recognize overarching this in people. Yeah, we love this. We call people stars that exhibit this because they're really good at embodying this higher state, this flow state. Well, they shine bright. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the shaman. That is the wizard. You know, and the, the wizard's greatest magics. You don't see them. You don't see them hardly expending energy any energy at all. Yet it mm -hmm. happens mm -hmm. effortlessly. Um, and certain t techniques were developed by the or shamans. it's like psychologically effortless even if the body is extended using yeah. a great deal of strain yeah. to complete the task yeah. and so these you know these shamans are like the inventor pioneers of psychotechnologies mm -hmm. to induce flow state experience and and not just the way that they can experience themselves but is also shareable Mm -hmm. with the people who are like say participating in this sense of like watching because watching is a participatory particip participatory mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. you know you're watching them do this and your little mirror neurons are going yeah. and firing and you're doing yeah. it too you're understanding that what the feat that they just accomplished mm -hmm. is great because you know how hard it is for the body yeah. to do that because you inhabit a human body your mirror neurons are firing mm -hmm. and there's things that they're doing that you can't do and that's why you get the sense of awe and wonder like mm -hmm. how the heck did they pull that off mm -hmm. That's amazing. I have a human body too, and I don't know how to do that. Yeah, right. To nearly that level of finesse and grace. If I try to do that, I'd be turned into a pretzel. <laughs> that was uh, I was talking to Mister Bill today about uh, break dancers. He's like, "Oh my god!" I'm like I couldn't do that. <laughs> I could, when I was young, I couldn't even do that. What, what's going on with that? It's like, yeah, it, and it seems effortless when these guys are just spinning and spinning and spinning They're and spinning in the flow and spinning. State. Yeah. So we learn mindfulness increases access to the flow state. And now we're trying to understand why does it improve cognition here in episode two? Mm. It helps us train ourselves to break the frame with ever-increasing novel challenges. 
and you get that cascade of insight. So it prives our insight faculty that we have. Yeah. And that light bulb moment can be drawn out into ever greater mm -hmm. uh, understandings and encapsulations yeah. and Instead interactions. can become uh, an aha. Uh, that's, that's the invitation of awakening. Yeah. That all the non-duals from the Sufis to the Advaita Vedantas to the Buddhists to the Christian mystics and so on and so forth are inviting us into is a constant aha mm -hmm. with life. Yeah. that can occur for all of us and we get these brief glimpses into that experience um and 40 percent of the population and one of the recent episodes i think part 11 actually the one we're, we're about to go into um verveke talks about people have had these higher state of consciousness experiences mm -hmm. and what a grace it is that we can have this it's like a communion with the universe and with the substratum of reality and then something that transcends all of us and holds everything at once but that's a whole other conversation yeah yeah, yeah. so we, we've developed our intuition for noticing patterns and this intuition helps us save us save off ideological possession we we've developed actual neurology for being able to help us understand the difference between correlation versus causation in our environments we can yeah. utilize this. And that's the trick, is understanding what is the the cause, what is the yes. because, just what is being seems, the cause seems of something. seems to be the cause because it correlates, yeah. because it happened at the same time or something. doesn't mean it's the actual well, cause. My cow died at my cow died when the sun went down, so the sun going down killed my cow. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, well, no, like, <laughs> no, it's no your cow, cow died when the sun went down because a coyote came when the sun went down and ate your cow. But Yeah, or it was, it was the mold in the feed yeah, that you were yeah, for yeah, yeah. three weeks. Correlative before causative, or excuse me, ca causative instead of correlative. And mm -hmm. we, we struggle with this all the time We've now. We've struggled with this for thousands of years, and we still struggle with uh, this. Oh, yeah, well. And we, oh, my God, we become ideological over this one too i mean we get into our groups over different ways of looking at this or that virus for instance god forbid you even say the word when you're putting something on or even you know like the the oppressed versus oppressor narrative it's like well okay yes oppression and being oppressed has been a thing but you can't just say everything is because of either being oppressed or oppressing no, they happen alongside, but yeah. you know it's like that's like a misinterpretation of Darwin all well, over again. Good, almost because Darwin in his in his book, The Origin of Species, mentions symbiosis and talks about the symbiosis between the different organisms more than anything about survival of the fittest, which is a p component of how we develop and how evolution works. But it's also well, there's this underlying interrelation between all of the species. There's symbiosis that so, organisms can achieve with their environments. They don't want to entirely but, kill off something because they need to be in a marriage with it to survive. But yeah, that's something that that but, nihilists have taken on. But bringing it back to, you know, like you know, and I'm not going to get too far into the oppressed versus oppression narrative. But what I'm going to say about it is the best things can happen under horrible circumstances. You wouldn't say those good things happen because of the horrible circumstances, and the worst things can happen within good circumstances. It's it, it's important for us to be able to parse out why something actually happens. Sure. What 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 caused it? What 
what was being the cause of it opposed mm-hmm. to, well, they just mm-hmm. happened at the same time. And that will help us get a better understanding, say, like of what oppression yes, and, oppression, yes, and yes. Be, oppression is. Because really, nowadays, who's oppressing you the most is yourself. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, even like, you know, like you were reading the Gulag Archipelago and people could still have themselves even in the worst circumstances. Yeah. And I say this as an empowering thing, not as a dismissive no. thing. This no, is, one thing that you have more power than you know. Systems interrelate. Systems yes. thinking is really helpful in mm-hmm. this. To understand that everything is interrelated. Yes. It's not just oppressor and the oppressed. This is no. what Darwin was getting. And it's Darwin way, well. way more actually, complicated than really oppressor or oppressed. There's a complex symbiosis yeah. going on through these different species yeah. that are helping them prime this ecology for them to thrive. Mm-hmm. And learning how to thrive together is really very yes. much what the humans can task ourselves with now. If we want to give ourselves something meaningful to be a part of that, that is going to be helpful and useful and is absolutely necessary right now. There's do you want a billion be, and one ways to, to get involved with this work. And do you want to be the cause of something terrible or do you want to be the cause of something great? Yes. We can yes. be the cause. You know, the power is with us. We have these technology. Mm-hmm. We have the brain that is capable of these psychotechnologies within us. Yeah. We just need to remember them. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Yes. Um, so we, we've developed these capacities for the flow state and the impl- implicit learning capacity. A lot of what looks like psychic abilities are abil- is actually our ability to pick up implicitly on complex patterns in the environment. So naturally, within us already, mm-hmm. automatically, we are picking up on complex patterns in our environment all the time. We learn this is what our intuition actually is. Yeah, you mentioned the psychic. Like the idea of a psychic isn't somebody who's magical. It's somebody who's really, really, Super. really good at picking up on those yes. hidden, maybe not hidden, but like those subtle patterns subtle that other patterns. people don't pick up yes. on. And, you know, then they can tell you all about your own life because really you're telling them mm-hmm. with subtle patterns. Yes. Other and things that's... that we implicitly learn is like how close you should you should stand to somebody in any given situation. Sure. Yeah. And how to act in any given situation or different rooms in different environments. These are things that become implicitly learned automatically. Mm -hmm. We're not thinking about the fact that we're learning them. Mm -hmm. We just automatically learn them. And it's kind of magical that we can do that, you Mm -hmm. know, and we can just move and flow with each other. It's not all good, though. Yeah, because some implicit learning, like the bigot, has got Mm -hmm. intuitions about races that are wrong. Yeah. There are many patterns in the world that are illusory, lots of spurious correlations. The bigot has picked up on correlational patterns, not causal ones. Science mm-hmm. is a way of distinguishing causal patterns from correlational patterns. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'd like to further the term of bigot, too, because it, go- it goes to Mark Mulvey for summing up. These yes. It's, so it goes, it, you know, bigotry, the way I see it goes even further than just race, but it's having a causal assumption about any group of people and applying that to an individual mm-hmm. um and refusing to change your opinion when proved otherwise yeah. that's the main component for yeah. bigotry with me yeah. you've been proved otherwise but you'll still hold on to this and you could have you can have scientific bigots like you know there's just like no my theory is well, that's right the possession of the side of the ideology yeah. they're not able to input yeah. new information yes they're not willing to change yes. and upgrade their belief system mm-hmm. they they are dogmatically believing in something in a very forceful way and Mm -hmm. defending it beyond the point of logic. And we're most familiar with... Because it's like a defense mechanism that people take part in. Well, sure, and you know... We are all able to, like, easily 
can succumb to this. We can all fall victim to this. Well, yeah, and, and you know, like to a certain extent, the 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 reckon it. It's hard the, not to. The recognizing in group and out group is mm-hmm. a kind of a safety mechanism, but when proved otherwise through these the techniques and rituals that we have to get over. Yeah. And, you know, we have rituals, which are psychotechnologies, to be able to get over that. Get over that. And well, just the we fear should. of the stranger. Yeah. yeah, but when you develop like an enemy archetype of another yeah. group because you've stereotyped them with such sure. blanket generalizations like a, a, for like so a, long, like a der- you're not seeing individuals syndrome. anymore, so yeah. now you're working yourself up to being willing to even utilize violence sure. or threats of violence at least against people to try and get them to conform to your way of seeing but you're not willing to see or understand why they believe what they believe mm-hmm. and it's a problem yeah, yeah we got to understand each other's value value orientations mm-hmm. where do we get our beliefs from what are the values because once you understand somebody's values which are relatable then you can understand why they're believing what they believe and you can help and they can help you understand what you might be missing from their point of view and you can also help them understand, well, here's what we're seeing over here. Have you taken this into account? This is the conciliatory process. This is not so popular amongst politicians nowadays or in our media nowadays or by any great leading examples of anything in any um, system of authority yeah, nowadays. Yeah, I'd have to say not even within our university academic system either. Everyone's I, othering each other. It's because, yeah. well, Everyone's other. I even everyone. noticed this when I was, you know, young and thinking about, you know, okay, I got to go to college. I'm getting out of high school, but I saw the deep-seated bigotry of the elitist academic mm. mindset, and I won't say necessarily community, but what it was turning into. Yeah, because you know, like, I, like growing up as a young man, you know, say get out of high school, be talking, and you talk with people, and then be like, oh, are you going to school here? What are you studying? And then when you tell them, like, nah, like, ain't that, they're like, oh. And they just immediately dismiss everything because you haven't gotten that degree. That, in my mind, also is a weird hybrid species of bigotry. That's a form of implicit learning that's not useful. Yeah, it's like, well, if you didn't go to college, then, you know, you shouldn't be talking about these things, which is obviously bullshit. Um, Because some of the greatest thinkers on the planet didn't go to college, whereas other, you know, some of the stupidest people I know have PhDs. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, very, very smart people, but, you know, couldn't figure their way out of a paper bag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we developed science and ration basically as ways of distinguishing Mm -hmm. causality versus causation. Uh And so we have flow, deeply enhanced cognition, placebo, self-healing. Then we have mystical experiences being meaning making to help us develop deep sense of meaning and meaningfulness. Mm -hmm. So we have these parts of the brain talking to one another. Uh, enhanced insight and intuition. We have the capacity for metaphor, the capacity to reflect. And all of these things that I'm saying here are all metaphors. Reflect. We speak. Do you see my point? Can you grasp that? Yeah. Hey, can you hang on a minute? Yes. Things that are pervasive and profound are enhanced for us. So how we make creative connections between things is our capacity for insight and metaphorical thought. And we're utilizing this cycle technology to then do things like track the moon and even develop capacities for soul flight and getting high. We're doing all these things to try and get overviews as well as taking deep dives to understand things. We're, we're reflecting to correct and upgrade and improve ourselves. We're internalizing our literacy 
into med metacognitive frameworks so that we're using language now in mass lots of individuals to solve great problems like how can we build a, a pyramid how can we govern ourselves together in a way that makes higher states of of harmony in our environments with one another so we start to internalize these capacities we improve these capacities, exact, and then use them for something else. We develop coinage, money systems, abstract symbol systems. Now we're in episode two here. He's going through all of this, the mathematics that we begin to develop. And then we developed this capacity for reliable, accurate, logical ways of reflecting on our ideas and to checking things out and studying them and understanding how they work. And that radically upgraded the human species but that raised awareness also raised awareness of our fallibility, our human fallibility, and how we're the cause and effect of many of our problems, our own problems. It's not just the gods. It's us. <laughs> it's us. It's not just the gods that made a storm. It's, it's us that weren't ready for the storm. Oh, that's a, that's a... We saw the clouds coming and, you know, or that kind of, whatever. That's a very... So we want to make the... Uh, a, but we start to realize our personal responsibility. Yeah, it's a very sharp... Um, and we start to develop morality. What would you call it? Uh, a... Not evolution, but... Like, growth stage shift um, mm -hmm. of understanding. You know, instead of the world being a cruel place and it, you, just bad things happen to you and the world's not fair, which is an important understanding. It now at this level there we we're at the understanding of oh no i also do have a part to play in this yes so there's a person there's a personal responsibility yes. end of things which then you can look into somebody else and see their personal responsibility and that's holding somebody to you know their potential if you will now we have this point where we can really see something in other people as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and that's you know part of the rituals that, or some of the rituals we use for that are like um, acclaim for people who have done great things and celebrations for people we very much enjoy or, you know, like a celebrated leader that we really, yes, really like. Yes. So now there's like a, a way we can show our appreciation yes. for living up to a high responsibility. Mm -hmm. Living up to these because ideals. Because if you live yes. up to the, that response, like you yourself and the other person live up to it, it makes things better. So now we can recognize mm -hmm. that and celebrate it. Mm-hmm. So we start discovering ways that are optimal for human relation. We celebrate them. We, we admire them when we see them because we recognize them as suited for that, that help us in a survival situation. Somehow we know intrinsically that this leader embodying this mode of honor is really good for us. It feels good to be around that honorable human when being. It seems well, like we this know is... they're trustworthy. We know they're they're reliable. We know they're honest mm -hmm. and authentic. And this seems to be the, like the starting point. So the 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 stop the It's like the starting point of where our hero stories, um, where our you know like well our stories start is from this era our like story making where we start, start here yeah, where we, we start, start like and making societies. our heroes and making you know these people we look up to and yeah. creating a story of how they gain their insights yeah. and what insights and to share these using so all language. the way back we don't know exactly but around 10,000 yeah. BC agriculture we start to stay in one place more often mm -hmm. complex societies the stories the myths start to be be able to be made we have the time mm -hmm. to actually pull it pull it off and so our 
ways of relating with our social community change drastically. And I think that pretty well covers, let me see here on Mark's notes. We Thank get, you, Mark. Got through the flow state, how pervasive metaphor is. Metaphorical cognition is at the heart of both science and art. Metaphor metaphorical thought allows us for greater problem-solving ability. If you're a hunter-gatherer group that has a shaman, you're going to out-compete the group mm -hmm. that doesn't. We understood oversight, supervision, the little echoes of shamanic flight. And nowadays, we also recognize Bronze Age civilizations are not as relevant to us. Yeah. But the Bible, Plato, Buddha, or Confucius are somehow still relevant or more relevant. And why is that? It's because something happens around 800 to 300 BCE. There's a great change. There was a collapse. And as Western, um, that, that, that was very formative of us. And this is known as the Axial Age. The fall of the Bronze Age is the greatest collapse of human civilization the world has ever known. The fall of the Roman Empire was nowhere near as devastating. It's the closest thing to apocalypse humans have experienced in recent known history. So what seems to have been invented in one of the small tribal places that remained, Canaan, what is now <coughs> excuse me. What is now Palestine, I believe. Let me see. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is a new kind of literacy. Alphabetic. Literacy. So we got into literacy, alphabetic, and then we got into metacognition, being aware of your own thinking, and then second order thinking when you internalize mm. the psychotechnology into your metacognition to allow you to improve or correct your own thinking. This emerges because of alphabetic literacy. Yeah, and, and alphabetic literacy is far easier to learn than like, uh, what do you call it, idiomatic like or like image-based yes. like symbols. Which you would have to have, like, scribes learn all the different symbols, whereas now, like, say in English, you have 26 of them. And then you can start to put them in the words. They're easily learnable, so more people can become literate. More people can participate. Uh, you bumped something. Is that still going? Just making sure. Yeah, um, but more people can participate in... Uh, what's the best word for it? Uh, pr participate in these practices and rituals and behaviors th thus enhancing the, the distributed cognitive network even more mm -hmm. and getting more people in it and then you know it's, it's compounding it it's multiplies we don't even exponentially yeah we don't understand how much power we're wielding at any moment because mm -hmm. of all of human history mm -hmm. that came before that gave us what we have now yeah from our language to our technology. I really like this idea of metacognition, of being aware of our own thinking that only really started to become really super salient for us. Like we become aware of our own thinking when we developed alphabetic literacy. We started to think in words. We weren't aware of our thinking before then. This is very much when the bifurcation must mm -hmm. have begun where we started to develop these attachments to our egoic sense of, of self and this disconnection with reality that we've been trying to get back ever since. Mm -hmm. um, a, a sense of one world, of, of interaction that Verveke describes in the uh, episode we'll get to here shortly. Um, so, yeah, second order thinking, when you internalize the psychotechnology into metacognition to allow you to improve, correct your own thinking, this emerges because of alphabetic literacy. 
we develop coinage and money and this teaches us to be able to think in abstract symbols and it also teaches us numeracy and then these cycle technologies these training skills are ready for acceptation and they can be used to deceive us they can also be used to empower us and the Dhammapada states here's a great quote there is no enemy greater than your own mind but there is no ally greater ally greater than your own mind okay let me say that again there is no enemy greater than your own mind but there is no ally greater than your own mind self-deception leads to self-destruction self-correction leads to self-transcendence so that's beautiful so we learned about how we as humans developed methods of psychotechnology to be able to allow us to conform better to our realities in a rapidly changing age. And we keep... Technologies are creating new challenges, and then we're creating new yeah, software development, psychotechnologies to adapt. And we, uh, what's what's the term uh, for, like, using the tongue, not just for tasting poison? Um, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, exact. Exact. Exacting. Thank you. Um, exacting pre-existing psychotechnologies and then enhancing them. So like literacy and being able to write things down were a previous psychotechnology, but then we enhance that with alphabetic literacy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's not just always coming up with something new, but optimizing and modifying the previous literacy was cumbersome and you had to memorize Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of symbols in some cases or how to, arbitrary tick or seemingly arbitrary tick marks work or you know Mm -hmm. like and you know alphabetic which was phonetic which is mm -hmm. something that we can hear and we can relate the c Mm -hmm. sound with this sound and Mm -hmm. so forth simplifies things so a larger number of people can utilize it and then a larger number of people thinking in terms of alphabetic literacy allows us to wrestle with more and more complex thoughts we start to realize our self-responsibility we start to develop moral systems and we start to get the civilizations that we can remember in history now. And, and the the development of money and the psychotechnology that goes with money is almost like an acceptation of the original metaphor mm-hmm. psychotechnology. Because yes. money is just a metaphor for, sure. for value. Yeah. Now we created symbol metaphors. Yeah. 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 Um, so now like... Like coinage. That, and- that coin can now be a metaphor for a lot of things, maybe a chicken or yeah. maybe some goats or maybe some bread or something else like that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not the chicken, the goat, or anything like that. It's a placeholder metaphor for various potentials. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. And an amount. All um, right. So let's get on to episode three. And I'm getting a feeling that we might only make it through yeah, the first a, like three or five yeah it's 11 o'clock so let's, let's try, try to make it can we do five you think um yeah if we take a if we take a little quick breather um after three or let's see where uh, we're at after three yeah because yeah, maybe we'll just do a, a, the first three here and then we'll do another recap another time and we'll try and catch people up with where we're at maybe uh maybe uh next week we'll do a do the rest of them and have a two-parter Two-part two-parter recap. Uh, it it wouldn't be as long as if we didn't have the 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 breakdown of the system and all that stuff that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know, we had to present, and it we we talked for a little for a little while, 
with our kind of just our own impressions of the times that we're in and what this stuff means to us, just kind of loosely dancing mm -hmm. around it. Uh, because you do have to kind of create an entrance for people into this. Sure. You know, why are we interested in this awakening for the, from the meaning crisis that this guy John Verveke is putting on? Well, yeah, I feel, personally, it, I feel it gets to the crux of answering the greatest crises we as a species face in mass and as individuals in the times that we're in right now. And what the what the gentleman Verveke has has done here is uh, something of great service to us. So it's very exciting and heartening, and it's been very healing and consoling to discover in this time of God. You know, the pandemic and shutdowns and well, it sure beats being angry. Cultural wars going on and the partisan politics ramping up and getting increasingly inflammatory and the wars going on between russia and ukraine and, and the increasing level of nihilism within the youth not to mention the inflation <laughs> on top of that and desperation in people and, and all these things like and excess deaths and the meteor might be coming around is anybody Jupiter, trying to you know? do anything about it well yeah uh, actually there's a lot of people trying to do yeah, something about it and there there's are. some people that are getting quite comprehensive with really yeah. helping give us a very exact idea of why we got to where we are and how we can get out of it as well that have been noticing these things building for some time now. Yeah. So we, we very thankfully had people like Verveke and Daniel Schmachtenberger and I would say Jordan Hall and I would say Jordan Peterson and mm -hmm. so many other people recognizing from various different angles, even if some are abrasive, you got to hear them out. Listen to Dave Chappelle. Well, listen to what people are talking about right now that are coming across as offensive to some, but also very deeply meaningful to others. What are they saying that is true? And you and we should look from across the ideological spectrum, from Trump to Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you should look and go beyond those people. Go far beyond <laughs> all of the different popular icons and and see where your family and friends think are thinking and then see where you are thinking after you look from multiple perspectives and try and take everything apart that you believe be willing to you want, we well, want to know it's and don't true don't be so damn afraid to be yeah. wrong it's okay to be wrong it's no. actually better it's better that it's if great you to spend most of your time being wrong it's really good to know so you can where you're work wrong. through yeah. it you know yeah it's, we should always be looking for where we're wrong and and putting ourselves in situations where we're going to make well, mistakes so we can learn where to be well because if you you're con consistently if say an individual or a group of people are consistently wrong then you have a systematic error which is important to understand what that is like what we're talking mm -hmm. about last episode with you know the candy thing and the kids and the candy mm -hmm. you know like if you take candy and four-year-olds and you line out the same amount of candy in one line with short spaces and the other amount of candy in another line with wider spaces the four-year-old knowing that there's only five pieces of candy in each will still pick the pile that is bigger. Sure. And you don't throw out that error being like, oh, well, those are just errors. No, that's a systematic error. What does that tell you? So if right. you're always messing up or you're wrong consistently, there might be a systematic error that you can address and understand. But you have to be wrong first before you know what actually is right, in my opinion. You know, I could be wrong about this, but I think we learn very well through... But see, you just saying, I could be wrong, yeah. is that willingness that you're trying to say, this is what we should embody. Well, and sometimes it hurts. This is what we can embody. And it's this, earth-shattering. This is comforting. To, yeah. This is actually more comforting yeah. than yeah, being in well, a state of, of 
super certainty. Yeah. That super certainty is very closed off. And it's also it's very fragile as well. It's you know, actually, it's, it's going to ossify. Yeah. It's going to be, become yeah. fragile and brittle itself. It's a tiny pane of gla- it's, it's glass not on able the tip to adapt. of a finger. It needs new information. So we should constantly be challenged ourselves with new information, challenge our beliefs, find out if it rests on something that is true and good for one and all. I, I love Buddha's advice on this. Don't believe anything just because many people believe it and say it to be true. Don't believe anything just because your authorities say it to be true. Don't sit, believe anything because your teachers, your parents, your gurus, anybody says it to be true. Only believe it once you have looked into it for yourself, deeply investigated it, and found it to be true for one and all. Mm-hmm. Should we believe in it and live up to it? That's the way. And that's that's a paraphrasing of, of what Buddha says, but that's that's the idea right there. And that's actually the scientific method as well. We realize that if we're willing to challenge our own beliefs over and over and over again, we're going to get as close to an approximation of a good way to interact with our reality as mm. we're going to be able to get. And that's useful. That's good. That feels good. And it's helpful to other people. And it puts yeah. you in a state And within the scientific method. Flow and accord once again. Yeah. You don't prove your theory. Your theory is only good if it cannot be disproved. Mm. Yes. So you have yes. to. Like, so it's reliable. It may yeah. not be exact, but it's the best we got so far. And that's yeah. what we're constantly doing as human yeah. beings is constantly calibrating ourselves to our environment mm. to better be able to actuate ourselves actualize in this world what we want to be able to have and what do what do we want to be able to have nowadays we should decide together this is the time for us to get in to engagement with one another we should engage in conversation and engage in these great existential crises that face ourselves and our entire species right now we have great debates to get through and we should be I think approaching them in a state of like side by side, let's figure this out together instead of face to face. I'm against you and my ideas against yours. And well, discussion we should, opposed to a debate. We should be able to steal in each other's arguments. Yeah. Like well, and and, it, and, and re- rephrase each other's arguments to each other to a point to where you're like, yeah, that's a, a good summation of what I believe. I I, I would mm-hmm. stand by that way of saying of expressing it. And if we understand each other's arguments and each other's value orientations, then we can understand okay, what's going to work best as a conciliation between between if we're seeing things a little bit differently but the more we understand each other the more we're going to understand like as long as you understand value orientations you can get very close to coming to some kind of way of solving most any problem that we can face together even with viciously competing groups you we just don't understand each other's value orientations at all anymore and we're not even interested. And only, the only way to have that kind of interest is to cultivate in people a curiosity and, an, and a care and an interest in one another, regardless of what somebody looks like or acts like or seems to believe. We've got to understand, we've got to have a loving orientation toward, towards each other once again. We have to learn how to be unconditional in our nature as Jesus and Buddha were trying to teach us thousands of years ago. We still have not quite grasped what these guys were telling us and been able and to well, embody even it. before them, I, I still, like, I think probably even back in the tribal end, we were still trying to do that just on a much smaller scale yeah. with each other, too, because it wasn't always we just war we have and conflict. But yeah. And so now we've just got to cultivate it further. 
but we have this capacity as human beings. It's our greatest saving grace, and it's probably our greatest superpower. It's what enables us to work together. It's probably one of our highest drives as well. In concert, in cognitive distributive networks to solve ever-increasing problems and do so in a way that's even joyous and it feels good. It's meaningful to ourselves when we're engaged on this level, in this high level of flow and attunement. The feedback is great. It lightens you up. It's almost... In it's enlightening. enlightening. It is enlightening. Not just enlightening, it's so but cool that's built into us biologically to feel yeah. good when we're in the optimal state. It's like yeah. that's a yes cue that you're getting from your physiology that's saying, yes, this is the way that I best operate. Keep doing that. And I'll yeah. keep giving you yeah. this good endorphins. Oh, and your brain has great chemicals well. that feeds itself. Yeah, you you're sleeping you're well. Like, oh, yeah. I like these practices yeah. you're engaged in. I like how well you're dancing with everything and everyone around you. Mm-hmm. You're not resisting anything. You're always adapting to. Well, that you're is, responding ra- rather than reacting. That, that's good conversation. And I think like the, co- the, the conversation aspect that people involved with the meaning crisis and other and the meta crisis and 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 all that i think that's that's where it's at and if we can you know individually cultivate an environment that is conducive to conversation and not debate because debates yes. debates are important but there's something different because a conversation is between two or three people to come to a greater understanding a debate is two people trying to convince a group of other people about yeah. their point. A debate should be like a side event in the overall greater project. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're trying to figure out something great, and then two people have two really good competing ideas. Okay, mm-hmm. you guys are going into the debate ring now, and then everyone gathers around yeah. to see, okay, let's watch these ideas yeah. compete. We're not caring about who wins. We're caring about what wins because yeah. we're trying to find what, what's, what's good and true for one and all. In a conversation if we get our is, egos out of the way of this process, yeah. this thing becomes fun. If a debate is like a bout, like a boxing match. Yeah, don't be attached a, to your A conversation ideas. is like a dance. Yeah. Why are we so attached so, to our ideas? We're not our ideas. Well, because it's scary when, thi- when, it, when, it, when it falls out from underneath you. Everything's yeah. metaphors. But what's the, meta- what's the metaphor? Yeah. It's, be- <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful that we have metaphors, but everything is metaphors. And actually, I think and, I figured that out. We're all getting out of, out of shape over a bunch of ideas. In our, and, and why do we have the preference ideas? What, what if we just let ourselves be guided by love? It's so freaking simple. It's, it's hilarious um, yeah. that it runs that deep. But... Let's wrestle with episode three real fast, and then see where we're at, and then maybe we'll take a break. Uh, or we'll end the yeah, episode. it's it's already eleven twenty. I'd almost say uh, let's come back fresh with three three through ten three next through week. Ten. Okay, uh, next we, week. we we can do it with a head start and not be an hour behind because because the computer we're blaming it on the computer yeah uh, but we also tend to blab and go on yeah. awesome tangents well we'll try to get through so, three to t- three through ten but i'm i'm turning into mush right now I'm, well we've been going uh, oh God. for about two hours now on this session and we did we talked previously for 50 minutes um before we realized that the stream had crashed and so we have no record of the, any of that well i guess you guys. you guys are gonna have to join Sorry. us for recap number two you might be able to catch it if you catch it fast, but I'm going to end up deleting if anything is saved on YouTube. Or oh, yeah, no, it's on YouTube, and it's just going to be It's confusing. only like 10 minutes or so, so I'll, I'll end up deleting yeah, that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, this has become a recap episode. We were going to get into episode 11, but we realized we wanted to do some recapping. And then and the powers so of the universe went blue and turned everything off, and it was like, well, I guess we're doing it. 
reflections maybe we'll call them reflections yeah yeah reflections, reflections on episode one and two and then maybe we'll do um more reflections and catch ourselves up to where we are now well i think we did a pretty good reflection of of what the meta crisis means for us now in this episode which i think has been important because like going through this lecture series we've been you know keeping up with the, <laughs> the lectures but i think it's important yeah, to even trying to, to gauge where we're at within where we're this at crisis. and then like i'm also i'm trying to figure out like how can i word this for you all for people out there to understand yeah. that this is really good stuff this is yeah, really important yeah. for us to wrestle with right now it, it, well it's for all of us I, I don't know human being on the planet that would not be captivated by some i think this is aspect probably... of awakening from the mini crisis series or this larger project and the understandings mm -hmm. that it involves I think it's probably the most important thing that we can do as a species right now is regain the ability to find meaning. Yeah. Like true absolutely. deep meaning. Isn't that an exciting yeah. project when you hear it? Too? Well, it's attainable too. It's not it's like attainable. it's not like no, no, no. trying to get We've off the planet this. and travel the We've speed done this of light. thousands it's, of times over. And yeah. In fact, this is what we specialize at. In fact, yeah. this is we specialize at this story making to such a degree that at this point we are biologically tuned genetically mm. to think in story. Yes. We think and talk in stories. And so we have this capacity to understand in, in a story-making fashion. And yes. so, yeah, our old stories have been challenged, and they're all competing with one another, and now they're intermeshing. Even as they've clashed, they're intermeshing now as well, and we're learning how to interlink these profound understandings of self-transcendence that mystics before have realized and they're bringing back to us over and again from the ages past. And we can recapitulate them now in our, in our world today. And we can better understand what they were getting at, why they were getting at it, and how we think, how we got to where we are, all of that. For Veiki as a cog sci scientist is, uh, is a great guide for, for this process. Mm. And uh, I'm very excited to be able to share with all of you. And I thank you, brother, for taking part in this with me yeah it's it's, it's good it it it, it, it uh, helps with the existential dread <laughs> yeah well i thought it might i thought yeah. it might man because i know it had helped me tremendously to have discovered this series um a few years ago and then to while i was going through it then the coronavirus began and all this stuff that's been happening that is endemic of the mm. social discord happening in the world today right now yeah um was continually heating up and accelerating and seeming to grow you know and, and i and i noticed since i was a kid i feel like like since i was an adolescent at least like a teenager i felt like we've been building towards some kind of climax as a species for a long time now we're in the midst of some kind of climactic point in our human story i felt that when i was young and it's I the singularity that, man it was that global understanding that we all have nukes and then we had seen ourselves from the moon we know that we're all one on this planet together but we also have the potential to destroy the whole thing and so there's this huge choice facing the human species i also noticed when i was young that nobody agrees on how we got here what we're doing why are we alive what is existence no one agrees what is the best stuff i can find and i found it in science and i found it in spirituality yeah. And I find them both teach not just what the world is made of in the, in the terms of science, mm -hmm. materialistic science, what are things made of and how do they fit together, but how to be in this world. Mm -hmm. How can we best manage ourselves together? Mm -hmm. What things bring out our greatest characteristics and help to optimize our greatest talents and can bring us 
into ever higher levels of coordination and peace and accord with one another. So this is the stuff that fascinates me because I'm like, how else to be comfortable in a world like this? So science would be the, what is it made out of? And then spirituality, if you will, would be, well, what, what do you make of it? What do you, do you make of it? That's what do you great. make of yeah. it? Instead of what is it made of? What yeah. do you make of it? And why? And yeah. why? What do you, what do you make yeah. of it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <clears throat> yeah. What do you make of it? Well, you know, you make Why me- are we you, here? you make meaning you you as best as you can over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it retains its mystery. It's a great mystery, but we know that there's threads through it, like love feels good, mm-hmm. it feels true, and it puts y- us even in when a state it's of even when accord, yeah. even when the emotional response within love is less than good feeling like say when somebody dies you know going through mm-hmm. the sorrow that's still of love it's still there's something in it that you know is good even though it can drive you, you can to trace have it deep back pain. to the source of the pain still, well yeah this, the pain is because something so, that was so worthy of love has been lost to well us. every good love story has its tragic but it was moment, wor- you know? so but yeah but it was so worthy of love yes, it's yes, so worth celebrating yeah. what's that line even if it's not here anymore uh better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all mm-hmm. that's that's romantically speaking but i think it is applicable in the sense of the overarching what love is yeah and i think probably like the the greatest hell you could possibly be in is to not just not feel the mm-hmm. love but totally resent it. Yeah. And love is something you, you don't know. need to have even a relationship with a significant other, for instance, to experience no. the highest levels of love. No. The highest levels of love happen in the worst places sometimes with military mm. overseas. Yeah. Um, and and so that would be the warrior perspective. But love happens in so many ways, shapes, and forms throughout our life. And we can hmm. experience a love of life itself that helps us make an art of life and give to life in like a sort of a service that puts you in the state of reciprocal dance with interrelation with well, life. We can be where it's it. responding to you and you're responding to it and we can help breathe a little bit more light into a, a dark world. Yeah. And that's continually what we get to do is somebody might ask well why would you want to do that well it's better than not i don't know it's, it's, it's just better than made not. up of the atoms you know? that were birthed in the furnaces of stars and we still want to burn bright man yeah. i don't know what it is i think it's just but it's, it's, it's better cool to that, than not to because i've to be I've, or I've, not to be because i've right. done the not not doing this you know gathering meaning and living in love in that and that kind of sucked um, so, you know, from a purely personal end of things, it feels better to help mm-hmm. shine light in the darkness, even though some people might yell at you to turn that light off. Yeah. Oh yeah. And <laughs> a problem well stated is half solved. So understanding how we got here and why we're here is very helpful in navigating and orienting ourselves and giving us a sense of firmer ground. And then understanding how we can optimize ourselves in relation with this environment through mindfulness practices actually gives us a heroic journey to take on. Sure. And so be- now it's like, oh, this is really engaging. Yeah. And I actually, actually, wait, me doing this stuff really does affect the environment mm-hmm. around me. And we really are writing this human story together. And we really do have a hell of a lot more powerful 
power than we ever give ourselves credit for because look we're still using the ideas of like potential and action because of this guy socrates one mm-hmm. dude socrates plato mm-hmm. or that was aristotle that came yes. up with the potential yeah but socrates plato aristotle jesus buddha um, Robin Williams, well, Martin, not even, Martin Luther King. Let's bring it way back. Through lists of Thaleus. singular humans that no. embodied humanness in a beautiful, profound way that was very exciting, and we all embrace it because we recognize there's something no. beautiful there that gives us a reason for being that we actually have the potential to embody ourselves. You could almost mark ages by their teachers. You know, like an age, like an. Like, you know, you have different periods of time and we call them ages. Like, you know, the this last age we're, we're in, at least in like Western society, the great teacher would be Christ. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, before that in other ages, you had like, you know, like Abraham was a great teacher. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, and so like you, you'd have like, you know, the, the, Arist- the Aristotelian Platonic age of those teachers but before that you had like the the natural philosophers like thaleus age and ages aren't necessarily a fixed time span but like they they change according to how we change like the bronze age didn't only last for a certain amount of time because oh well that's how long it's going to last it lasted for that period of time because well we got to a point and then we're at the bronze age and it collapses we're no longer at the bronze age yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it it's not you know oh there's a yeah, set length of like, time it's like yeah, no it's like nice. ages can be whatever and yeah, it, I think yeah. teachers mark the age mm. if I was to most accurately try to describe like how we differentiate effects but yeah there's it can't be an exact yeah. drop off or ending because even we like have a, we have useful enough approximations to delineate and like the industrial age. Well, those teachers would be, you know, like the Rockefellers and the, you know, the Rockefellers and the other ones that, you know, like they made these big things, had these big businesses, mass produced things, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes we can have better teachers than others in different ages, you know, like I hate to, you know, well, the internet age, I'd I'd like to think like of the John Vervakis and the Jordan Petersons and all the, the really awesome people and even like you know the tin pools and you know the you know the topical societal ends of things those are the teachers not necessarily the you know zuckerbergs and the kardashians because like you know like this age could be marked by that end of things too like if it's a collapse then we'll mark it by the 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 degenerate teachers opposed to the regenerative teachers (laughs) that's a good way to put it yeah and then God, I've, how are you going to keep up with the history of these times? So oh much is happening at once no, no. that and, and there's so many different power players to keep track of. There's so many interrelating threads of storylines that have been going on for a long time now. So it's it's going to be a lot for historians in the future to parse out. But I do feel like we're going through this time because it's just a natural part of the process as we've gained an increasing technological capacity we've generated increased networks of understanding and we've become increasingly globalized 
you know it's it's radio tv to newspaper to internet now and we're further becoming now a global culture so globalization <laughs> is happening we always knew global globalization deep down was inevitable once we got to a certain point as a species yeah. and we started to relate through at least the radio and starting to know other but cultures now we have we the begin to now we have the ability to do global cooperation opposed to global We've known about role. other cultures for thousands of years yeah. but it sped up with the radio and with, yeah. then with the tv and the, yes and then now with the internet everything is sped up so much that the rate at which we're getting to know each other's deep and multi-thousand year old cultures has magnified mm-hmm. and it's shocking for all of us to see how different we are and also science is arguing with religion and all the different religions are being held up to the standard of our time and we're seeing some of the cultural baggaging of these old stories and spiritual systems, but we're missing the, we're throwing the we're, wheat and the chaff out. We're yeah. not keeping the wheat. There's actually some timeless wisdom yeah. from Jesus Christ and Buddha and Lao Tzu and so on and so forth. Like these guys were Well, even knowledge. like look at Freud. You know, Freud had his issues, but he was still right about a lot. A lot. Yeah, well, we get a lot of our framework yeah. for understanding now and the way we think from Freud and from Jung, and we don't even know it. Yeah, well, how much it's dependent upon those that came before us. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what sex somebody is, it's just Earth yeah. doing its thing. It's Earthlinging out yeah. through various hominids. It's cool. We get to take part in it. Let's actually celebrate that fact instead mm-hmm. of getting stuck on our own individual recognition. And our concern over over appearing right or wrong or on the right team or the right side. If you care about love and you care about one and all and us working together to create a better world for those that come after us, you're on the fucking right team as far as I'm concerned. And Mm -hmm. that's the name of the game that I see right now. Like This is what is happening in the world. This is what we get to be engaged with in these times. And that's what makes them exciting. So this is also, it doesn't have to be depressing. It doesn't have to be anxious ridden. There's going to be those elements sometimes, yeah, but you can always regrasp. Wait a minute, I get to be a part of one of the climaxes of human history. We are the writers to the story, and I get to help at least make the world around me a little bit lighter for those that I interact with. And that does echo out and ripple out. And we are changing the world with every little thing that we do constantly, whether we like it or not. There's that butterfly effect always happening. Mm-hmm. So. Don't doubt yourselves, guys, and don't nope. doubt human beings' capacity for overcoming impossibilities over and again. It's what we've done. We're experts at this. Yeah, we've set foot on the moon, man. Yeah. That's like yeah. We're so good at skirting the precipice. We're so good at being in a flow state because it's what has allowed us to survive up to now. And now we get to use that. We get to learn to use that capacity to be in ever higher states of concert in accord with one another and yeah on that note i think it's a good time to wind it down have faith in yourself guys. this is a you good reflection on the series so far maybe we'll just do these here or there as as we're able and we'll say let's see how many episodes we can get through as we but yeah. it'll help us recapitulate our yeah. understanding yeah and we'll we'll be keeping ourselves on track as we as we learn with uh, Mr. John Vervecki here and mm-hmm. all of you out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in so much to this episode of Actual Eye Podcast. I've been Chris. I've been DJ. And we love you guys. We'll talk to you Thanks. soon. Wow.